Welcome to the Classic Holdup Podcast, where we analyze media from the past. Each episode features a different host that brings a fresh take on a film, TV show, video game, or music album of their choice. What can we discover? Do old favorites have a shelf life? Will the classics hold up? Hey everyone, my name is John Hart. I am the host of today's episode of The Classic Holdup. I am a student at Michigan State University studying media and information and public relations. I am from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and I am a huge fan of movies. Always enjoying the lighter side of entertainment, comedy movies, especially some of the cheeseball films of the 90s, resonate with me more so than many other genres. These films tend to fit well into the conversation of does it hold up, as audiences of today may have different views on what may be funny versus what audiences of the past thought. I am so excited to be hosting this episode. We are going to be covering a movie very dear to my heart, 1994's Dumb and Dumber, starring Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels. Dumb and Dumber follows the ridiculous adventures of two close buddies and roommates, Harry and Lloyd. After a beautiful and mysterious woman, Mary Swanson, played by Lauren Holly, leaves a briefcase outside of the airport he chauffeurs at, Lloyd, played by Jim Carrey, convinces his buddy Harry, played by Jeff Daniels, to blindly chase this newfound love interest to Aspen, Colorado, in hopes of delivering the briefcase and ending the cycle of loneliness he had been living through. Little does the duo know, the case is filled with crime-ridden money, and their very lives are at stake. The ignorant pair is viewed by the criminals as multi-talented characters of espionage working to steal the money, when in fact, it's all just a case of the wrong place at the wrong time. Once in Aspen, the briefcase opens and the boys spend all of the money without thinking twice. With criminals on their tail, Lloyd and Harry both find each other falling for Mary, raising conflict and splitting the boys apart. Will Harry and Lloyd find the girl? Will they stay friends? Will they ever learn how to do basic math? Well, I don't want to spoil too much more of the film, so I'll hold off there. But physical humor and lowbrow comedy move this story forward and connects audiences to the lovable idiots portrayed on the screen. Grossing $247 million worldwide and with a budget of $17 million, on first release, the film had mixed reviews, yet was extremely successful monetarily. The film itself went on to become a cult classic and spawned multiple spin-offs, including an animated television show and a prequel, as well as a sequel starring both Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels again. Dumb and Dumber served to boost the fame and popularity of both stars, and the comedy represented in the film served as further inspiration in future New Line cinema films and Jim Carrey projects, such as The Mask and Ace Ventura Pet Detective. When I was a little kid, I was obsessed with Jim Carrey. The first film that I really became immersed with was The Mask. I loved Jim Carrey's wild behavior and hilarious antics on screen. One day, I was probably six years old, I came across an old VHS of Dumb and Dumber in my grandparents' basement. I was a weird kid fascinated by things I wasn't supposed to do at a young age. Like, for example, if a movie was rated PG-13 and I was six, I would just think in my head a ton about what the movie is about and just become really intrigued by the potential adult humor that's in the movie. Uh, so I watched it and it was awesome. And being six, I loved the toilet humor and the nonsense. Boosting my excitement about this random movie I discovered, I later found out that Jeff Daniels has strong ties in Ann Arbor, Michigan, 
and my aunt was once very close friends with him. So this movie ended up becoming a very important piece of nostalgia for me, and I give this film a watch through probably once every two years. It continues to be one of the more quotable movies in my repertoire, um, but when it comes to holding up, I definitely have my thoughts. With us today, we have Charlie Godsell, my good friend and fellow goofy movie lover. Uh, Charlie, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, John. Uh, pleasure to be here today. I uh, hope everyone's having a great day. Um, I'm Charlie, and really, as a kid, I was exposed to Jim Carrey through a lot of different movies, same as you, John. Um, one memory that I have was when I was in North Carolina when I was seven. I was on a family trip, and we watched Ace Ventura, just a couple of my siblings and I. We didn't tell our parents we were watching it. And then uh, one of our parents walked in and started yelling at us because there was kind of an explicit scene on from that movie. Um, so anyways, it was always kind of that same fascination that you had, with, as you mentioned with the mask, kind of the intrigue of the adult humor and the adult themes that I kind of liked when I was a kid with the Jim Carrey movies. Um, and then growing up, same thing with Liar Liar. I'd watched that with my dad when I was probably 10 and just always found Jim Carrey's performances so fascinating with like, obviously like the well-known stuff with the facial movements, but just like the ability to be so dynamic with it and make it work in so many different movies. Again, uh, seeing that today um, in Dumb and Dumber, just giving this a great revisit, but um, we had watched that yesterday. Uh, mm -hmm. John and I both gave it a rewatch at the house and um, it was just a phenomenal watch. You know, huge Jim Carrey fan through and through. Uh, what's that one movie that he was in? Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah. That is a phenomenal movie. And um, his performance is great in that as well. But in this one in particular, especially coming out, um, you know, in the mid 90s and everything, I just think it was it really captured kind of what made Jim Carrey so phenomenal at that time and such a huge icon. Um in, in Hollywood culture. Yeah, I totally agree. Jim Carrey is probably one of the most versatile actors to really grace Hollywood. So uh, going back to Dumb and Dumber, um, I want to ask you, Charlie, mm -hmm. how did you, in your personal life, view this movie when you first saw it? And outside of that, how do you think general audiences felt about this movie when it first released? Yeah, it's a really good question. When I first saw it, as I mentioned, I really... Um, I really enjoyed it, but I had seen other Jim Carrey movies previous, so I kind of knew him already as this character. But I think where kind of the interesting point comes in is when um, you look at how it was perceived at the time. Uh, because, I mean, really at the time, this level of humor and Jim Carrey's, um, I guess, acting techniques that were so well known throughout the 90s and throughout our childhoods um, really wasn't established at that time yet. And so... I guess thinking out loud again, because while I didn't get to experience what the movie came out, I was able to do a little bit of research on it. And apparently it was initially kind of dismissed by critics for that toilet humor, kind of the um, just overwhelming nature of the slapstick humor. But um, it really did surprise critics quite a bit when um, it was a box office hit that holiday season. So um, again, in 1994, Jim Carrey, uh, this movie, it, it really hit the ground running. And um, again, personally, the first time I watched it, I, you know, I, I didn't totally understand it when I was a kid. I think my dad had thrown it on. He loved the movie. But um, the first time I did watch it, I was crying, laughing. And honestly, that rewatch yesterday, I, I have a lot of different thoughts based on when I first watched it versus now. Yeah. And thinking about the audiences, you know, uh, I know when this movie first came out, it did have mixed reviews. And I think... 
a big part of those mixed reviews probably came from the lack of maturity in the movie. Um, it didn't identify as being a mature movie when it was released. So I think a lot of those complaints and, you know, little disagreements with whether it's funny or not aren't really as valuable for a movie like this. Mm -hmm. This movie didn't come out and say that it was going to be the smartest, most impressive comedy movie to ever grace theaters. It had Jim Carrey screaming and and Jeff Daniels having diarrhea, and mm -hmm. it's funny. It's really, really funny. Um, and I think that, that that level where maybe the audience is just not for some people. It's just not sophisticated enough for some people, which is very understandable. Um, but knowing you and knowing me, two people who sometimes purposefully lack sophistication, <laughs> I think that that's who that movie was made for. So um, how do you view the film now? Uh, and how do you think that general audiences probably view the film today? Um, maybe if they are grown up or if they are the kids of the people who've seen the movie originally when it came up, how does how do you think all that comes into play? Yeah, it's a great question. I'll, I'll address it now. I absolutely love this movie. I'm so nostalgic for it, even though, again, I didn't see it a ton when I was a kid. I'm so nostalgic for the aesthetic of that 90s vibe. And I think that's something we're seeing across the board is... I think growing up, we can all admit that as kids, like the 70s and 80s were really romanticized and glorified. And I think we're starting to see that now with the 90s and early 2000s. And uh, Dumb and Dumber, I think, is just another example of that. Um, just that wholesome 90s aesthetic of like surprisingly lovable characters, despite like a couple scenes where they act really foolish. You really do connect with the characters and it's it's just so cleverly written to connect on an emotional level with these two idiots who like are just flying by the seat of their pants, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and I think you make such a good point is kind of the concept. I, I read an article and it was kind of describing this movie as toilet humor, um, obviously with that diarrhea scene at the end, but kind of the overall vibe is like, more slapstick humor and a little bit less sophisticated. Uh, but I think you make such a valuable point. That's not what it's trying to be. And that's not what they were planning on doing with this movie is um, they were selling it to the target audience, which is exactly who you and I are as people, as uh, you know, people who want to laugh and who find such humor in like, you know, finding yourself feeling like uh, you're being dumb, you know? And so I think they capture it so well. And um, on that note of how I view it now, um, I, we watched it last night, John and I, and then our third roommate and fourth roommate, they haven't seen it. And three times in the last 12 hours, I brought it up to them. Like <laughs> tonight we are going to watch dumb and dumber. Like I'm excited to watch it again for them to see it because they've never seen this movie. I don't believe it, but if you haven't seen it out there, please give this <laughs> movie a watch. It is hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I totally agree with you on that, too. It, it is funny. Um, and, you know, kind of getting people to watch a movie that is as old as this movie is now, um, having been made in 1994, um, I think that that can be hard for some people in general. I think that they take a look at the concept of a movie called Dumb and Dumber Alone, mm -hmm. and just with more of a modern idea of comedy for people who didn't grow up with that movie, that sort of sounds like you're about to watch Looney Tunes or something. Sure. It doesn't it doesn't have a very, you know, powerful. It's not you're not watching Inception. Sure. You know what I mean? It's yeah. um so do you think that this movie will be liked by audiences in the future? And do you think it in, has inspired anything today with the humor it had? Yes. 
I I plan on making my kids watch this movie. <laughs> I plan on making anyone I'm close with like has to have seen this movie at least once. Because if if I don't do it, then who will? Someone needs to carry this. I love this movie. It's so awesome. But um, for the target audience, and this is something that we'll dive into further is um, I have this perspective. I love this movie, but I could totally see the argument for like whether it holds up or not. I could see a lot of points for it maybe not holding up in a few areas, but I think that the overall movie captures it so well of like the mid nineties, Jim Carrey era. That is something I find so interesting and something I'm so entertained by. Um, my only doubt like with that point is like, I'll make my kids watch it, but will my kids make their kids watch it? You know what I mean? Because like, I love it, but I don't know how, how things are going to change. And maybe in, you know, another 10 to 15 years in 2030, I don't know what's going to be considered funny, especially to the kids where like, you remember our humor when we were like going through high school, we had a very like different type of humor and stuff laughing about kind of weird stuff sometimes like, Oh yeah. Joking around. And like, this movie captures that like kind of what, like really well, I think. Um, but I, I definitely could see in 2030, maybe advancing society, advancing to the point where it, something like this just isn't considered as funny, but I hope, I hope we don't get to that point Yeah, because I, I adore this movie. I think it's awesome. So I can tell that we have very similar views on this movie. Um, from both the past, present, and future perspectives. Um, I am also going to be showing my kids this movie. Um, I saw it as a kid. It really kind of moved forward my sense of comedy as a young guy. And that felt really cool to be able to have something to laugh at and make references to and quote when I was a little kid. Um, We're going to go on a short break now. When we come back, we'll have a discussion about how certain elements of the film either make it hold up today or if it doesn't hold up at all. My name is Kaylee. My name is Parker. My name is Andrew Justice. When I complete my degree, I want to be a documentary filmmaker. I want to work in broadcasting. I want to work as an editor or somewhere in audio production. My name is Kaylee. My name is Parker. My name is Andrew Justice. And, and I, I am ComArtsi. Start your journey at comartsi.msu.edu. All right, and we're back, Charlie Godsell. Thank you again for being here today. Oh, yeah, you know I'm here. That's what I'm talking about. So now for this section, we're going to have a brief Q&A discussing sort of the scenes of the film that we found to be our favorite, how they're impactful, and whatnot. So, Charlie, could you please tell me what your favorite scene of the film is and what elements of that scene made it your favorite? My favorite scene was the gun scene at the end. Um, I won't give too much context because we've all seen the movie, but uh, Jim Carrey not getting a gun and complaining about it. And then in the next scene, like shooting down the boyfriend of Mary Swanson, like as a thought and kind of piecing together, that's what he would do if he had a gun. So that, that whole process was awesome. But I think the elements that really stood out to me in, in that particular scene at the end were the fast cuts. It was 
also the awareness, like I had seen this movie so many times, but I never made that connection and laughed so hard until this viewing of it. And I think that's why it's my favorite scene right now are those fast cut elements, but the continuity that I hadn't noticed in the script. It's awesome. Um, if you give it a rewatch and really try and look out for it, uh, it's, it's phenomenal. But I guess same question back at you though, is, uh, what's your favorite scene and what element did you find helped contribute to whether or not the movie held up or not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the gun scene is also my favorite scene, uh, for the reason of that quick cut. And I also had no idea as a kid of that connection between the line about maybe two minutes prior where he says, why didn't I get a gun? And then in just the next scene, he he's thinking about shooting someone down last night when we watched it, that, that, that really stood out to me as being just really smart and clever. Um, but I think my favorite part of the movie is the ending. And the reason why I say that is because it really wraps up the stupidity of these guys in the most revealing light when the whole movie, the whole movie, they are going around trying to find this girl because Lloyd is lonely. Harry's lonely too. He falls for the same girl. Um, and at the end of the movie, when things don't work out for them, they're walking down a road and a whole bus of women in bikinis comes up and they say they need an oil boy. Or um, was it an, I think, an oil boy? Someone to oil them yeah, down. Yeah, someone to oil them down. And the way that they stare and they say, the town's back that way, you could find them there. And the way the girls just look at them as if they're, they're idiots for losing the opportunity. Uh, when the girls drive away, they, they say, you know, don't worry about it. Our, our opportunity's coming soon. We just got to keep our eye out. And then the movie ends. And I find it to just close out the whole story in such a good way because they're following a girl the whole time. And in the end, they really just needed that friendship. That friendship was like the biggest part of pretty much the entire thing. Um, and you know, it doesn't matter what women come along, they're going to be happy with each other. Mm. So I found that to be a message throughout that friendship is more important than anything else. Um, Harry is traveling with Lloyd out of pure friendship. Mm -hmm. um, the conflict between the two when they become interested in Mary um, and the comedy that ensues with that, like Lloyd putting laxatives inside of Harry's stuff. It, it all builds this narrative of, you know, friendship is important and you really want to stick with the people who are loyal to you. Uh, so that that does hold up today, in my opinion. I think that that element of the script is really well done, and it doesn't draw out. It just closes quick. You know, they bow and we're good. So we're going to be going over now if this thing really holds up. And we can talk about certain elements of this, certain things that don't hold up today. I want to hear from you, Charlie. So let me know. What kind of stuff do you think doesn't hold up? There is only one scene that I would like particularly like that I thought it was so funny, but it's just like with the themes going on that I would particularly like maybe discuss is just the bathroom scene when they're traveling at a gas station. Um, Lloyd stops to use the restroom and he notices it says like for a manly good time, be here at 2.15 a.m. on March something. And, you know, he notices that's the day he checks his watch super funny edit where he checks the time. And so I think the buildup was just absolutely hilarious. 
And the reward, it was definitely super funny when like the door gets kicked down and Jim Carrey screams, realizing it was the dude from the diner previously in the movie. I, at least that's what I think it is, who it was, but the scream he lets out was hilarious. And I think the only thing is just like when you find him next, he looks pretty traumatized and it seems like he probably, you know, I don't know, just some dark themes going on. And I, I would just think like that scene in particular, I was kind of like, I was left like, oh man, like, I don't know if that would get put in a movie right now, but like, that's the only thought I had throughout the movie. I still think the diarrhea scene is so unifying because it's a universal experience. Like, can you imagine sipping that much X-Lax and going to a, to a house of this rich woman that you you're like crushing it with and you just destroyed her bathroom? No, I it is so unifying. Like that will hold up until like, like if they find one thing from humanity, it's the diarrhea scene from Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> what about you though? Is there anything you think doesn't hold up? Yeah, definitely. Um, I will. I just want to say, I agree with you too, that, uh, the aggression in that scene, it's, um, at the time, you know, there was a lot more jokes being made like that, that were just totally acceptable. Um, but today, you know, with the inclusion of people kind of speaking up about their traumas and stuff like that, it's just not as entertaining. And I think I noticed that too, being an adult and watching it, it was just a little bit more like, the insinuation there is kind of tough. So, but another thing that holds up or that doesn't hold up on kind of a lighter note, the screaming in the movie. And yeah. this is something that I believe Jim Carrey is probably one of the only actors that could pull this off publicly as well as it did. Uh, the most annoying sound in the world scene. Uh, this scene right here, they're driving in a car, and the whole joke is Jim Carrey saying, do you want to hear the most annoying sound of the world, to a dude who does not want to hear the most annoying sound of the world, and then him just screaming in the guy's face. It is awesome. It's a great scene, <laughs> so and funny. I find it to be hilarious, but I find it to be hilarious because I like Jim Carrey, and because I find Jim mm -hmm. Carrey to be hilarious, and because I liked it as a kid. I can't see a lot of audiences finding glory in that if if it's a new movie and this is not jim carrey and it's just some guy yelling um there's a there's a level there that i don't think audiences would be able to connect on it it might just be annoying adding to that too there's a scene where they are eating spicy stuff inside of the diner and there is long cuts of them just kind of doing gross out humor with mustard and ketchup and that's fun. It's hilarious. And it was probably really, really funny for a lot of people when it first came out. But even to me today, there's a little bit of of a divide for me in finding that funny. And I think it's just because I have grown a little bit more sophisticated with my humor. So it's I still have love for it. It's a very nostalgic scene for me. But that sort of gross out humor just doesn't really fly as a 16 or $17 million budget movie nowadays. Um, yeah. So what elements of the film do you think really made this thing hold up? The lovable characters for sure. I think the way it captures the energy of goofy nineties is really good with even like the, the suits that they buy when they're going to that, uh, gala for the owl. Um, like that cap that really captures the era. Well, and I think, um, as I mentioned, the aesthetic, the characters, and if I had to give kind of a third point that I think captures it, I think it's also the 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 filmmaking choices I think with the with the sh cutting and with the shots because there are so many moments where we found ourselves saying that was a funny cut 
that was a funny like transition into this scene and i think it was just the combination of clever writing clever just overall i I think overall i think there are a lot of different elements that went behind the scenes that helped make this work a thought i had though like as you were speaking john was could you imagine like if they made a dumb and dumber remake with like chris pratt (laughs) can you imagine how bad that movie would be it doesn't work without jim carrey no like nobody's jim carrey Mm -hmm. and so i think like it's such a valid point is like anyone else trying to do this it probably wouldn't work unless they were something special which jim carrey is absolutely so with that being said let's make a final verdict on this thing does this movie hold up and why a hundred percent yes because Jim Carrey's phenomenal, the character development, writing, and production helped make this thing a home run. couple moments that I feel like I'm outgrowing a little bit, but again, it's more for the target audience that enjoy tar- the toilet humor. It is exactly what it's advertising itself to be, dumb and dumber, but classic laugh, an absolute roller coaster of humor, drama, and friendship. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. So, Charlie, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining me today. Um, I can't wait to go home and watch more movies with you. But with all that being said, thank you. Is there anything else you want to say before we head out? Uh, No, watch Dumb and Dumber, spread kindness, and have a great rest of your day, everyone. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Charlie. Thanks, John. Find The Classic Holdup on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us at Audio Video Land for updates, teasers, and behind-the-scenes content of all Audio Video Land productions. The Classic Holdup is an Audio Video Land production by digital storytelling students of Michigan State University in collaboration with Impact 89FM.